0: Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The O.C. Movement. In fact, you picked the right... Sunday, we're kicking off a brand new series today, which is like the the first chapter in a book of three or four chapters, and you're not going to want to miss it. But before we dive into that, I want to kind of pull back the curtain on some things that really matter at the movement church. One of our main hearts and desires is to help every person who calls this place home take steps spiritually. And now, again, my wife said this before earlier, and I want to reiterate that if you're here and you're not sure what it is that you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here and you're saying, I want to grow in my faith and in my walk with the Lord, man, there's some steps that matter. Step one is starting or beginning a relationship with Jesus, not church membership, not eradicating your past, but just beginning. And the good news is, He did all the heavy lifting. In fact, all we have to do is believe. And then God says, Man, we have begun a relationship with Him. And that's a private decision that happens between you and God, but that private decision needs to go public at some point and say, man, you know what? I, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going public with my faith and that's called baptism. And today after this service, we're doing what we do is our public baptism right after service in the courtyard. And there's a lot of people who've already signed up and they're saying, you know what? I'm going public with my faith and I'm not perfect. I don't have everything figured out, but I'm, I, I'm letting everyone in my world know that I'm following Jesus with everything that I have. And for some of you, that's your next step and you didn't come prepared. You thought, well, maybe another time, but you know what the good news is? We've removed every obstacle. In fact, some of you here today, and that needs to be the next step that you take, and today's your day. And I wanna challenge you, don't let today end without you going public with your faith. We actually have everything you need. We have a change of clothes, a change of undergarments. They're brand new, they're not used, I promise. We have everything you need to fix your hair again and put some deodorant back on. And if you're here and you're like, you know what? That's me. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I need to go public. Then today before the service is over at any time, step outside and go right across to the next step tent and Cindy will be there and she'll give you everything you need. Or right after service. In fact, when we're doing baptisms, we're celebrating everybody. We're gonna pause awkwardly and give anybody a chance. And almost every time somebody walks up from the crowd and says, you know, I'm going public with my faith today. And then we're gonna celebrate as a church. We don't celebrate perfection here. We just celebrate people taking steps towards who God's called them to be. And if you're here and you haven't done that, you haven't made that public declaration of the inward change that God is doing, man, today is your day. Don't let it pass. We want to celebrate you. Is that cool? Awesome. Thank you, one of you. For everybody else, I'm excited about this series. It's called Behind the Scenes. And I think it's gonna be an exciting series and challenging. In fact, the title of my message today is The Power of the Secret. If you're new with us or you've been with us for a long time, you wanna take notes, you can text the word notes to the number that'll be on the screen and you can follow along with everything that I've written down. We'll have Bible verses on the screen for those of you that may not have a Bible or don't have one on your phone. And this series is gonna be kind of fun. Let me kind of illustrate it this way to you. How many of you have ever taken a family photo? Anybody in here, raise your hands, awesome. You know, you you take hundreds and, and honestly maybe thousands of pictures, and you're working diligently to capture that one shot, right? The one photo that captured everyone at just the right angle, like it erased my double chin, and everyone in the picture is smiling, and everyone has their best face, and it's the picture of perfection. It's the one shot we've been looking for. You know what we're going to do? We're going to hang that picture on the wall of our house, and we're going to proudly display how amazing our family is until at least our hairstyle and our clothes tell us it's time to take it down because we've gone out of style. And we display it because we feel it represents who we really are. But if only the camera had been rolling behind the scenes, right? In the moments, and if I'm honest, the weeks leading up to that picture, right—the the kids that are melting down as you're yelling at them to smile again for the 400th time, the arguments that ensue, and if you're like me, the non-stop. Sweating. It just doesn't end, right? And you're yelling at your kids because they're getting an attitude all while you're getting an attitude with your husband because he doesn't want to be there. Can I get an amen from some dudes who are like, I don't need a picture of me in my own stinking house, right? I know what I look like. And then we, guys, this is the truth. I'm sorry, I'm gonna pull back the curtains for a moment on us. We, we start contemplating, I wonder how bad the consequences would be if I disappear for the next three hours. Like how, how mad would she actually be? And all All of this is happening behind the scenes for the one picture that we hang on the wall and really we should hang the picture of the behind the scenes because that's the reality of life, the imperfect mess, the chaos, the challenges, the relational issues, and here's the scary truth, there's many of us that are here right now and as individuals we present a seemingly put together, fully functional, and, and perhaps an overtly righteous display. Like everything in my life is good to go, all while behind the scenes, I'm actually hiding some junk. Let's just call it what it is, some sin. And this is the topic that we don't like to talk about at churches because this is a challenging topic, the sin that I'm dealing with that. I keep it hidden. I keep it secret. And and it's actually like a spark in the dry hills of California that has a very destructive potential. And then we've learned how to mask it so well that we actually keep people at a safe distance. We even have relationships and friendships with people, but we only let them get so close. and, And we keep them at the safe distance because we don't want them to find out. Who the real me is. So even in interactions, we'll distract people from asking deeper or probing questions. We'll avoid real and authentic relationships. And if we're really honest, we begin to believe the lies that we tell ourselves. And we accept that as our reality because we've learned to live with it. And again, if we're being completely honest, because some of the sin that we struggle with, we actually like it. We can acknowledge it's not right. We can acknowledge we shouldn't. But part of me likes that. And this series, Behind the Scenes, is all about going behind the scenes in our life. But let me give you some good news. Some of you may have thought, man, I knew it. Church is always like, it's always about trying to point out. My issues point out my flaws, point out my weaknesses, and that's not what this series is about at all. In fact, this series is about allowing the Holy Spirit to remove the corrosive power of sin while simultaneously restoring us to our original intent. So remove the junk and help me be who God created me to be. Let me give you kind of the good news up front. Maybe we'll skip to the end and and start there so that nobody feels overly discouraged. Look at what Romans chapter six, verse 12 says. I I love this passage, and it'll be on the screens if you're not following along with notes. It says this, sin is a dethroned monarch. I love that word picture. In other words, look at me, and it no longer has power in your life. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life controlling how you live, and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then, refuse to answer its call and to surrender your body as a tool for its wickedness. Instead, I love how the scripture always paints a picture of what we don't need to incorporate into our life and a better way to live. Instead, the scripture says passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. In other words, experience the life that God has given us. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purposes. And I love this verse 14. We'll come back to this in a little, in a few moments. Remember this. Sin will not conquer you for God already has. You're not governed by the law or sin, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. And I just, I'm terrified at the notion that some of us in this room today are are allowing sin the opportunity to control the way that we live. And you don't have to. And, and, And we've learned along the journey exactly how to perfectly keep it hidden behind closed doors so that no one can see. And in this series, I just want us to be open to the potential of what the Holy Spirit can and wants to do in our life. Can I pray for us this morning? Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving or looking around yet. God, we just, we come humbly. And and to be honest, some of us might, we might be a little nervous in the moment. Maybe because we've gotten so good at hiding the junk that we don't even know what it's like to live out in the open and in freedom. But God, we know that that's your hope for us. So we look to you to be our source of strength. We trust that you have a better plan for us than we could ever imagine. And I pray, God, you do something divinely powerful right here in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. Amen just means I agree. You know, I've shared this a few times, but I've been trying to work out a lot lately, get healthy, and I don't know about you, but in order for me to be consistent with that, I actually need people working out with me. Anybody else out there, right? Because if I don't have somebody encouraging me, or dare I say, making me show up at a workout, not only will I not work out, but I'm just going to eat everything I shouldn't eat. That's like a horrible thing, and so there's a crew of us that work out pretty consistently, and uh, we we just decided to kind of share the burden. We don't go to a gym. We do this all on our own, body weight stuff, so we can, that we've removed every hindrance, no financial obligation, just, just like, let's show up and work out, and so so we started this, like you do this week and you plan the workouts and this week you plan the workouts and this week you plan the workouts. And in the journey, what we inadvertently or unintentionally created was this competition to see how demonic and satanic of a workout you can create. And it's horrible. Like, I thought I liked these people until they started creating workouts for us. And you show up, and they're writing out this satanic plan on a whiteboard. And you're thinking, I'm not going to do that. What is wrong with your mind, right? And then you start planning how horrible the workout you're going to plan so that they feel the pain. And then you get into the workout, and every bone, every muscle in your body is aching, and you're sweating from head to toe. And you hate every moment of it because the pain is overwhelming, and then something shifts about five to, if I'm honest, an hour and a half after the workout when my heart rate finally slows down, and I go, that was a good workout. I feel really good. I'm sucking in in the mirror. I'm standing like this, you know, rolling my shoulders over. feeling That was a great, and I'll text them, hey, great workout today. That was awesome. That's what this sermon's going to be like today. (laughs) Be a little bit painful in the moment. You're going to be thinking, what is wrong with you, Pastor Carey?" But in the end, I think if you lean in, I really do believe that we'll be able to walk away from this thing going, man, God did something in that moment. The power of the secret, the power of sin is in the secret. The power of sin is in the secret. And all of us in this room, we struggle with sin. If you think that you're at a place where you've arrived and it no longer has its way, you you don't sin anymore. Let me read an amazing, encouraged scripture for you. It's found in 1 John chapter one. It says, if we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we are strangers to the truth. Now, some of us in this room, when I started talking about sin and and the secrecy of keeping it hidden, you immediately thought to maybe a laundry list, if you're like me, of all the things that you've done and where you've been and the regrets and the shame, or maybe the one thing that right now is actually hidden and you're hoping nobody finds out. Some of you in this room may have felt that. And if you're here and that's you, I want to encourage you, listen, the greatest days of your life are still ahead of you. And some of you, when I started talking about sin, you're like, I don't really know what my problem, I I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Got thing figured out, and if that's you, I would suggest perhaps your sin is pride, but we'll move on to another topic, and I'm just saying all of us struggle with the notion and the idea of sin, and here's the truth about sin, whether it is public or private, public or secret, sin is like a cancerous tumor to our emotions and our spirit and our soul. You can't avoid that, and sin, when it's kept secret It has the greatest power over our lives and the greatest ability to actually destroy. And the reason we keep them hidden is usually for one of two reasons. Number one, we keep it hidden because we are terrified of the potential consequences or we're terrified of the potential humiliation. So let me share with you a couple of things that could be considered in the categories of sin, but not limited to. I just wanted to take a moment and maybe give you a handle to go, oh, you know, that could be me, or that, that's actually, the, that's where I struggle. And not to point the finger to say, hey, you failed, but to say, hey, let's let God do something in our life right now so we don't continue to walk in a place of secrecy. For some of us in this room, you, you, you might struggle with the sin of, of a hidden addiction. Maybe it's an addiction to an, an alcohol or a substance, whether it's illegally obtained or prescribed to you legally. And you use it to numb out and silence the frustration and the stress. For others, it could be a secret sin of clicking and scrolling through images and websites that you have no business looking at. Working diligently to hide the search engines of your internet browser. And making sure no one's around as you're scrolling through Instagram or social media. It doesn't even have to be websites anymore. Perhaps it's the corrosive power of your thought life. It's just completely out of control. Like imagine if I was to pick at random any of you and just say, hey, listen, we're going to plug your brain in to the projector and we're going to display your thoughts for the last two months. Nobody would sign up for that one. <laughs> Nobody. Imagine what that would be like. But, but for some of us, our thought life is out of control and and it really has a corrosive power. Maybe, maybe for some in the room, maybe potentially you are hiding an affair. You are married and you have flirted with the notion, and maybe it's not even a physical thing yet. Maybe it's just an emotional thing, but you specifically, strategically meet certain people at the water cooler every day at your workplace. I mean, this secret sin has a corrosive power, and it stretches into nuances of our life, and we begin to believe the lives. That's not that big of a deal. Maybe you're cutting corners at work, stealing really is a better way to say it, or hiding things, or maybe you have found a loophole, but it's dishonest and it's deceitful. Maybe you're a student, a teenager in here, and you've been sneaking out at night or lying to your parents and looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, or maybe dabbling with the notion of messing with drugs or alcohol. Or maybe you're here and you're involved sexually with somebody that's not your spouse, Can we talk about that for a moment? This is a challenging one. The Bible's very clear about the biblical confines of marriage and if you're sexually involved with someone that is not your spouse, my friends, that's a sin. And then if you follow up that question, well, what technically is sexual connection? Then I would suggest maybe you still need to moonwalk away from that relationship, my friends. I'm not trying to ruin your fun and some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, I brought a visitor with me for the first time today. I just, here's what I want, man. I I don't want perfection for anyone here, but I do want you to not live a life you don't have to. I want you to experience a life governed by the reign of God's grace. And we've convinced ourselves that we're right in our thinking, and it's not just this society. It's not just today's cultural issues. This has been going on for millennia. The original writers of the New Testament had the same problem with the church of that day. We find this in Romans chapter one, where Paul is writing to people just like you and me. And he says this in verse 21. He says, throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them. In other words, you can't deny the fact that God is at work yet. They refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. In other words, they grew entitled to their own opinion and their own feelings and slowly dismissed God from playing an active role in their life. Instead, look at this, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. God would never make me stop this relationship or get out of this. He loves me too much. In fact, his grace is sufficient. And then we begin to believe the lie that grace is all we need and we can continue to live however we want. Look at what the scripture says. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts, steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be wise, they were in fact shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading images of another human. What does that mean? That we replace the truth of who God is and what God wants for us with our own thoughts and our own notions. And for the next few moments, I just want to share a few thoughts with you. And I want to start with three things that the power of secret sin can have in our lives. I want you to write these down if you can, take notes with us. Number one is that secret sin always grows stronger. When I keep sin as a secret, it always grows stronger. Secret sin convinces me over and over and over again that this is the last time. I promise, I'm I'm not gonna do this anymore. I I don't like the way that I feel in this moment. That's the last time. But sin left alone never grows weaker. It only grows stronger. The writer in Psalms was talking about some secret sin that he was dealing with in Psalm 38. And look at the word picture that he used to describe this. He said, my wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. In other words, it's left unattended to and it becomes gangrenous. The stronger that they grow, the more devastating secret sin becomes. The consequences only get greater and greater and greater. Number two, secret sin creates a false sense of identity where I begin to believe that this is just who I am. I've always struggled with this and I've never been able to move past it and I've I've tried and I even had a moment or a season where some people in the church got around me and I seemed to be doing better, but I just got back to this place again and it just seems to be who I am. The enemy has been using and, and and wielding or yielding identity as a tool to jack up humanity for millennia. If you look back to the original sin in the Book of Genesis, when the enemy showed up and began to mess around with Adam and Eve, he came in and he said, "Did God really say?" Are you sure this is what God said? And Eve said, yeah, we can eat of everything in the garden, but not of this tree, because if we eat of this tree, we'll die. And the enemy said, oh, you won't die. You'll become like God. He stepped in and he said, no, I'm going to give you a new identity. God says one thing, but let me tell you what I think. And Eve, of course, ate the apple. And guys, I'm sorry, it's the woman's fault, not my fault. But (laughs) she eats the apple and sin enters into humanity. And then look at their first response. To hide. To make sin a secret. Nobody can know. And then what happens is is we unintentionally take on the identity of our choices. It's just who I am. I just keep messing up. I'm always going to be a failure. I'm always going to miss the mark. I'm never going to accomplish the things that God has for me because I always, I get so close. I get to the precipice. I'm almost there. And then I just... I'll make a mistake again. And that's what the enemy does, is he tells you you're a failure. He tells you you can't succeed and that you'll be stuck in this identity, but that's not what God says for you and for me. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures, the Bible says that God says that you and I are more than conquerors. We're not failures. We're not the summation of our past. But if we keep it secret, the bigger challenge is now we're left to my insight, which is what got me here in the first place, and the voice of the enemy who's telling me I can never get out of this place. That's what the power of the secret does. Look at Romans chapter six, verse 14, to pull us back into that scripture. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. Look at this third point. Secret sin makes me feel powerless. You see, hidden sin... It brings on fears and feelings of powerlessness, and the longer I continue in this sin, it makes the problem worse. It only grows, and the longer I continue in this sin, this I keep it hidden, then it becomes a part of my identity, and I actually allow that, and then I find myself falling into a pit that feels inescapable. And I look up towards the top to try to find, is there light at the end of the tunnel, but it seems so distant that I'll always be here. I can't, it's who I am and it will never change. So the question I would ask you today is what has power over your life? Not your neighbor, not your husband or your wife, not your kids. What has power over you today? Are you strong enough to admit it? Maybe it's your past. Maybe you've allowed the summation of your past to become your identity. Maybe you identify with the feeling of powerlessness. What is the one thing that you hope and pray no one ever finds out about? It may still have power over your life simply because it's remaining a secret sin. Look at what Psalm 32 said. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. Look at this, the pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was on my heart. Let me pause right there and leave that scripture up. I think many of us walked in here today identifying with the feeling of, of anguish and misery because of choices in our past. And then when I read the scripture, it says, this pain never let up for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. You would go, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking. I knew God was just waiting for me to mess up. It's why I didn't want to come today. He's always throwing shade and guilt and shame my direction, but that's not the way that God works. God is completely different than what many of us imagine or think. What happens when we make choices like this, then the convicting power of the Holy Spirit comes in and says, Rob, you're better than that. There's a better future for you. That's his name. He's a good guy, by the way. (laughs) There's a better future for you. But in that moment, it feels like conviction, but we swap it in our mind to condemnation. And condemnation says, this is who you are and you'll never change. But conviction says, hey, this is a decision you made, but I've got a better future for you. Yet in the text, it gets translated to, oh, God's disappointed with me. God doesn't love me. I've out his grace. I know, Pastor Kerry, you tell me over and over again that God's grace is sufficient and, and I don't have to do anything to earn his love, but you don't know where I've been. Oh, yeah. But that's the enemy at work in your life. That's not God. Right. Right. The writer says, the pain never let up for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sad. And I think some of us would just be honest and say, I'm just tired. In fact, some people just get to the point where they just throw in the towel and give up on everything, on marriage, on Keeping it a secret. Instead of running towards God, they just run towards the sin. I'm just tired. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. And then the writer says, pause in his presence, which says, Selah. But wait, there's more. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. Look at this. I said, my life-giving God. That's a good reminder for us today that God has come to give you life, not to drain it from you. He said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions. And look, you forgave me. That's the beautiful thing about who Jesus is. Forgiveness is already readily available. We just have to choose whether or not we accept it. At once, the guilt of my sin washed away and all my pain disappeared. Oh, my pain disappeared. So here's some good news. When God gets in the middle of things, he turns stuff upside down. He takes a hopeless situation and he brings hope in. There's a story in the scripture where Jesus showed up at the temple, at the church and he fashioned a whip and he started turning tables over and chasing out the money spenders. Why, because he was angry at the church? No, because he was revealing what was behind the scenes in the temple that the religious leaders had lost sight of God's truth and replaced it with their own. And that's what Jesus does in our life. If we'll allow him, he turns things upside down. So if sin and bondage finds power in the secret, then the good news, my friends, is that freedom is found in a secret revealed. Freedom is found in a secret revealed. Now the enemy knows this, so he'll do everything he can in his power to keep us hidden and in the dark, which means that what's on the inside needs to be exposed to come into the light. So here's, I'm gonna give you three things, and we'll wrap up in six minutes and 39 seconds. That's not gonna happen. Three things to bring the secret into the light. Are you all ready? Write this down. Number one, here's how we do this. To find freedom in the journey. Number one, we bring God into the journey. We bring God into the journey. And here's the good news about God is he knows every thought you've ever had, every decision you've ever made. And that just displays the fullness of his grace and love for us because even in the midst of your darkest hour, he still chooses to love you more but we have to give him permission to jump in on the journey. So some of us need some boldness to have the power of confession. That's a scary word, depending on your faith background. But sometimes we feel like confession is a dismissal of our actions, and it's not that, nor is it a dismissal of the consequences. If you get pulled over by a police officer on your way home and get a ticket for speeding, you can go and stand before the judge and say, I'm sorry, and he'll say, thank you, you're awesome, Carrie, and you're really good-looking and charming, and I'm grateful for that. Now go pay the fine, right? So there still might be consequences depending on what you've been walking through and the challenges that you've been facing and the sin that you've been keeping a secret, but you don't have to walk through those consequences with the shame and condemnation and guilt that you've already been experiencing. Wow, that's and that's what we want. We want that freedom. Yeah. So here's what confession does: It's taking ownership for the choices that I've made and laying a foundation for a new beginning. You don't want to build on a false foundation, because it'll collapse. God was, he is, and he always will be in the business of restoration. Always will be. I love what 1 John says. Just reminds us of what we need to do. It says, but if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteous. That's what his heart is for us. Say, no, it's okay, I love you, I forgive you. Let's move on to who God's called you, who I've called you to be. Are you tracking with me today? Number one, bring God in on the journey. Number two, bring God's people in on the journey. Bring God's people. One of my favorite scriptures is is found in James chapter 5.16. We say this all the time because I love it. This is the Amplified Version, check this out. Here's that word again, confess to one another. Therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, and your sins, so the things that frustrate you, and the silver bullet or the kryptonite in your life. If you confess, just bring that to some people, some godly people, let them know this is who I am in and, and the imperfect mess, in and, and all of the, the fullness of me, not, not trying to hide something, not trying to present this, this false facade of the perfect image, but this is who I am. And look at what the scripture says. Pray for one another. So now we're going to bring God back into the journey again that you may be healed and restored. Now, I lead a connect group. Uh, all of our team leads. We, we love Connectors. We believe in them. And every Saturday I meet, at least for this semester, and there's a group about eight of us or so, and none of us are perfect. In fact, we're all pretty jacked up. Some of them are really jacked up. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> You think I'm kidding? And I, I do a sermon based. We talk about questions and see what God's doing in our life. And the first week of my connect group, we always start off with what we call happy crappies. So, what was the happy part of your week? And what was the crappy part of your week? You know, guys just love to talk. You know, they're really good at it. And uh, started through the, the process, and then we get to one guy. And you kind of see it like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. Week one of our Connect group, just met some of the guys there, and he just went for it. He said, "This, this is what I've just been walking through," and just like, and it took faith to get there. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I know people, and 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 I've had some people be idiots in my life. Anyone else had some people be idiots in your life? Yeah, it's hard to trust again, isn't it? And he just chose. I'm going to trust. And he just opened up. And said, this is what I'm walking through, and the guys didn't sit around there and go, "Man, don't let him back into our church. <laughs> Kick him out right. You're done. This is not what Connect Groups are for." And no, they leaned in, and then the next guy went, and he goes, "Man, this is what I'm dealing with." And he was so open, and we weren't like having some weep, weeping fest and like, "Oh, let's talk about our feelings." We were just vulnerable. I don't know why I said it like that. And the next guy went and he said, The same, here's where I'm walking through. And then the senior pastor just kind of sat back and got real quiet. Because what was happening is real people with real problems saying, I don't want to be this way anymore. I want to experience freedom and I know I can't do it on my own. That's healing and restoration. And it's sin stepping out of the secret and being exposed and people saying, it's okay. You're not the summation of your past. We need Jesus' forgiveness to lay the foundation, but we need God's people to come alongside and say, okay, we're going to give you some tools so you don't have to make the same stupid choices again. Are you tracking with me today? Now, some of us in this room, you, you've got some conversations that you need to have. And they might be the most challenging conversation you've ever had. Some of you may need to talk to your spouse and apologize and bring into the light some things that you've been hiding. It may be a coworker, a friend, or a parent. And right now you're terrified. You're praying she doesn't ask you when you leave the church. Please don't ask me that question. Please don't ask me that question. You're terrified of the consequences of humiliation and you have chosen the pain of secrecy and the misery of anguish to the freedom that God has for you. Some of you need to have some conversations today. And look at me, if that's you, let us help you. We're in the business of helping put the puzzle pieces back together again. Our entire pastoral team, our elders, all of us are really jacked up. We just have brought the sin out of the secret. That should be reassuring for you. <laughs> okay, they're not perfect. We're not trying to hide anything. And so if something in your life goes crazy and the world blows up. We'll, be, we'll sit with you. I've sat with a few of you in this room. We're not going to kick you out of the church. But I don't want you to live in secret anymore. Are you tracking me today? And some of us in this room just need to get around some godly folk and say, hey, this is me. This is what I'm dealing with. Can you help me? We'll help you put the puzzle pieces together. But regardless, you need to bring God into the journey and you need to bring God's people into the journey. Give you the tools for the foundation. Start making the right choices. You need a connect group. That's why we do connect groups. Let me give you the third point, the last and final point as we close out today. Number one, You need to bring God in on the journey. Number two, you need to bring God's people in on the journey. And number three, listen to me, you need to change the direction of your journey. You need to change the direction of your journey. Look what Proverbs 28 says. You can't whitewash your sins and just dismiss them. can't just get rid of, you can't just get by with the way that you've been living, but you find mercy by admitting, that's that word again, confession, and then what? Leaving them. There's a powerful story in the New Testament. You may have heard it or seen it in a movie where Jesus is teaching to some people and the religious leaders brought and they dropped a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery at the feet of Jesus. There she is lying naked before everyone, completely caught in the midst of her consequences and with humiliation of epic proportion. And the religious leaders looked at Jesus and they're holding these massive boulders in their hand. They said, the law tells us that that's a punishment, uh, that death is the punishment for her decision. We can stone her. And Jesus bent down, he began to write in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. And then he stood up and he looked at the accusers and he said, if you're here and you don't have any sin in your life, then you go ahead and throw the first stone. And the Bible says that one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they began to leave. And Jesus looked at the woman and he said, hey, where are your accusers? And she said, they're not here. And he says, neither do I accuse you. And we love that part of the story. And we quote that part of the story. And we love the grace of God, but the story doesn't end there. He leans down and he grabs the hand of the woman, stands her up, I would imagine by this point, and put a garment around her so she wasn't standing in the midst of humiliation. And he helps her get to her feet. And he says, now, go and sin No more. He didn't say go and be perfect. He just said stop living in a lifestyle of sin. Stop doing the things that you know better. I don't accuse you. In fact, (laughs) I've given you the fullness of my forgiveness and grace. But I don't want you to keep living that way. So if you've got secret sin, step one Say, God, I just, I'm sorry. Take ownership for it and ask for forgiveness. Step two, bring some people, godly people in on the journey. And step three, change the direction that you're walking. You don't have to live that life anymore. I want to pray for us for a moment, for all of us in this room, because all of us have sin in our life. And I believe that in the moments of this service that maybe the Holy Spirit's been, hey, that's the thing you need to adjust. And for some of us, there might be some very bold and courageous conversations ahead. For some of us, there might be some very bold and courageous steps towards building new relationships of people who can help us make the right choices moving forward. And For some, it's recognizing I can't keep living this way. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I wanna just pray for us. God, I just thank you that you're here and in a way that only you can show up full of grace and in mercy Lord we, we recognize that, that you've got a great life for us to live but for many of us we've got to step out from behind the scenes of hiding the corrosive power of sin in our life and so God I pray give us the boldness and the courage to do just that give us the strength to begin the conversations that we think will end everything I pray for great restoration in relationships for healing and for hope And God, that we can walk into the fullness of everything that you have for us. I thank you, God, that you are in the restoration business. Somebody right now just needs to know you're not the summation of your past. And Right now you're thinking, but you don't know, Pastor Kerry. And that's right, I don't. But God does, and he still loves you. Some of you right now are terrified of the consequences and the humiliation. But the consequences are far greater if you let that stay secret. God, I just pray you do what only you can do and bring life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name. Hey, everybody, look at me for one second. We're almost done today. Let me talk to a few of you who are in this room and you you haven't even begun a journey with Jesus yet. I'm going to ask just for a few more moments. Nobody moving around. Nobody leaving yet. Just give me two, like maybe two minutes more. There's a starting point in this journey, my friends. And that can I encourage you? It's not church membership. And this is the best news. It's not eradicating your past. If you knew the fullness of my past, I'm not qualified to stand here as a pastor on my own. But by the grace of God, up by the grace of God. The same grace is available to you but we have to choose to accept it. And it looks like just I've been driving the car of my life and I'm just gonna step into the passenger seat and give Jesus permission to lead. And if you're here and you've never made that decision in a moment in the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper with no embarrassment, I'm not gonna ask you to come up front I'm going to give you the words to say It's a private moment between you and Jesus Look at me, some of you in this room May have made a a moment like this happen Weeks, months, maybe years ago But you've been running in the opposite direction And today you're here simply to start running back to Him And you need to pray this prayer again For the first time in a long time And I want to give you the opportunity to do just that Would you bow your heads and close your eyes Nobody moving Just one more time Two groups of people in this room, those that have never made the decision to surrender to Jesus and those that need to do this again for the first time in a long time. Let me give you the words to say in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, just say, dear God, I need you. I've made some mistakes and I'm not perfect. but you forgive me? and make this your prayer with the most sincerity that you can muster. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place and we look to you as the author and the perfecter of our faith and we step out of the secrecy of the shame of sin and into the fullness of the freedom which only you provide. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com?